Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. As we close last week's broadcast, we were looking at Shanti Feldman's finding that highly happy couples look higher. Why looking to marriage for happiness means you're looking in the wrong place. Shanti's research found that centering a marriage on God first and foremost is clearly one huge success factor for a happy marriage. And one habit that sets many yes couples apart is not looking to their spouse as their primary source of happiness. Instead, they look higher. We had begun to look at how this habit plays out in the lives of yes couples. What looking higher looks like. The first three things we looked at last week were, one, they worship together, two, they are plugged into a faith community, and three, they share key values. Now let's pick up our discussion looking at number four. They focus on serving their spouses rather than on being served. The importance of a focus on serving rather than being served received multiple mentions regardless of whether or not the person Shanti was talking to was a person of faith. One husband she interviewed put it this way, I really feel like the church has to do a better job of teaching its people what God created marriage to be. The problem is, when you decide to get married, it's because this person is meeting your needs. There's something about this person and how they treat you. They make you feel special or loved or appreciated, and that feels so good and right. But when we stand at the altar, we promise to meet their needs regardless. We need to realize that that is how God created marriage to work. Because if we don't make that switch, there may come a day when we think, Hey, my needs aren't being met. There's no reason to be married. Shanti was talking to a couple who had mentioned many dozens of couples over the years. The husband mentioned a young, engaged couple whom he felt would be just fine. When she asked him why, he explained, Well, after discussing things over the last few weeks, Evan met me for coffee yesterday and said, I now realize that I'm asking Mariah for the privilege of serving her for the rest of her life, not for getting my needs met for the rest of my life. He thought for a moment and then continued, and that shift is why it is likely to make both of them happy for the rest of their lives. Nothing is certain, you know, but it is a lot more likely. Number five, they look to God for that power to be selfless because it doesn't come naturally. You know, I don't think we realize how selfish we really are, and we really don't want to admit it. We come by this honestly. We got it from Adam and Eve. Reread the creation story and see what happened to the relationship between Adam and Eve when sin entered the world. Their relationship was no longer the perfect relationship. They were pointing fingers and blaming, even blaming God. You can't get much more selfish. The yes couple Shanti interviewed mentioned the same deep-down struggle, but they also frequently mentioned the answer. And it wasn't simple willpower. Because if selfishness is indeed, as the Bible says, deep down in our natures, it would be pretty hard to generate enough willpower to consistently do the selfless, loving, giving thing every single time. Let's be real. 
none of us can truly be perfectly selfless. But the Bible does give hope that a higher power is available to help. For example, in one of his letters, the Apostle Paul wrote, See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to everyone else. He then promises, God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Atlanta pastor Leonce Crump put it this way, Positive thinking does not change your heart. It is only Christ who can push out your poison and pull in new life. Number six, ultimately, they trust God for the outcome. Shanti says that she has spoken to enough couples on both ends of the happiness spectrum to know that it can be scary to commit to meeting your spouse's needs regardless of whether you expect to get your own needs met. It is important to eliminate all walls and invest fully. To believe with all your heart that your spouse wants to and will become the person you need. To believe that they will never betray you. All of that. But don't put your spouse on a pedestal and look to them or put your faith in them to make you happy. That is God's job. You and your spouse together need to trust each other, submit to each other, and lean on God together. Ultimately, Shanti found that it was clear that looking higher allowed the happiest marriages to flourish because each partner was looking to God for fulfillment and security and was not looking to marriage for something it was not designed to deliver. A large number of yes couples emphasize that although it is wonderful to want and to work for happy marriages, expecting marriage or our spouses to make us happy is a trap since there's no human relationship that holds the key to happiness. Only God can provide that ultimate fulfillment that we are all longing for. Shanti says that as she studied the yes couples and listened to them talk about this, she realized that their example holds the answer to a question that has been debated often in the Christian community. How should we think and talk about happiness in marriage? As the book Sacred Marriage memorably asks, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? Given the corrosive cultural trend toward, if I'm not happy, I'm out of here, pastors and Christian leaders often wonder whether we should take the desire for happiness off the table and focus exclusively on the very real need for marital selflessness and sacrifice. Shanti goes on to say that yes couples show us that we don't have to choose between those two. Several years ago, Paul and Virginia Friesen, the directors of Home Improvement Ministries, a marriage and family ministry near Boston, invited Shanti and her husband Jeff to conduct a weekend marriage conference. During a break, they all began discussing whether the holiness or happiness question implies that the two are mutually exclusive. Paul said, Nearly every day in counseling, I see troubled couples who have come to believe that they have two choices. They believe they can either stay together and be miserable, or split up and be happy. I say to them, How about door number three? Stay together and be happy. People need to believe that that is possible. Working toward and believing in an abundant, strong, happy marriage is not the same thing as looking to marriage to make you happy. But that desire for a wonderful marriage certainly seems to be God-given 
and something we should celebrate because people need hope. Not hope outside their marriages, but hope for happiness in their marriages. Although in this fallen world there are no guarantees, it is clearly true that the habit of putting God first and serving the other person will also make you happier in the end. This seems to be what God has intended. Let's conclude this secret of highly happy couples with the words of one yes couple who Shanti says had gone from having a pattern of hurt feelings, explosions, and bitterness to having a great marriage. They shared that for them, the most life-changing part was treating each other the way God commands, not just to please the other, but to please God first. As the husband shared, we got on the same page and realized we had to be pleasing to God. Our main goal now is to make sure we're pleasing Him and we reap the benefits. If I treat you the way God wants me to, then you'll be happy, and then I'll be happy. Wow, that's a great deal. Now let's turn our attention to another of what Shanti calls the surprising secrets of highly happy marriages. Namely, that highly happy couples get in over their heads. Why risking it all on your marriage is actually the safest bet. Let's introduce this topic by creating an imaginary scenario. Just imagine you're back in high school. You have several groups of friends, and this weekend is coming up, and you'll do what you always do. You'll manage your social calendar on the fly, thanks to your smartphone. Thursday, in the cafeteria, your friend Tammy says, Hey, come over tomorrow and let's hang out. I'm babysitting my little sister. We could watch a movie or something. Now you face a classic conundrum of Teenlandia. You accept Tammy's invitation immediately, or you can wait to see if a more exciting option comes along. So here's what you do. You kind of hedge your bets. Even though you like Tammy just fine, you say, Well, that sounds great. Listen, I'll get back to you. In the meantime, you watch your phone to see what else pops up. By Friday afternoon, you realize to your dismay that nothing else is going to pop up. Have your other friends forgotten you exist? Does the world suddenly hate you? Remember, you're in high school. After school, you run into Tammy. Well, she says, you coming or not? It's time to decide now. Yeah, sure, you chirp. I'll be there. Thanks. Friday night finds you on the couch with Tammy. You tell her you're having fun, but the truth? You're still hedging your bets. See, you brought money for a late movie just in case somebody calls. Every time Tammy's not looking, you pull out your phone to keep the lines open with your other friends. You send Mark a smiley face. You poke Kyra on Facebook. You text a what you doing to Megan, and you don't even like her very much. In this imaginary scenario, how much do you think you will enjoy your evening with Tammy? But now I want you to reimagine that Friday evening, adding a slight twist. When you finally say yes to Tammy, you go all in. You put all other possibilities for your upcoming evening out of your mind. When Kyra does, in fact, text you to ask if you want to go to a movie with her, Mark, and Megan, you quickly reply, I would have loved to, but I'm helping Tammy babysit. Catch you tomorrow. Well, our time's gone for today. 
We'll pick up with our imaginary tale next week and continue this discussion. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.